blessed assurance Jesus is mine
take a moment and greet the person next to you. Tell them your name. Tell them that you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord. I'd like to ask the ushers to come forward, please. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, Father God, God, we are, we are so, so grateful. grateful. We're so grateful to be in your house this morning, and we can call you Father, and you call us your children. And we're just so thankful for your son. Father, we take this opportunity each week to give back a portion of what you provide. I ask that you would bless these offerings, that you would multiply them and use them to glorify your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
so if so you're joining, joining us online, online don't forget, forget to hit the, hit the like, like, subscribe, and share, share button. button. And, and if you're joining us for the first time, here comes Pastor Bruce Carter. transcribing this message um, I don't know what it's for but I say it again uh, on my flash drive I had a lot of trouble and I owe certain people for helping me out even this morning and I don't want to name them because they might not want to be named nevertheless it just tells me once again I and you, in some things, need a lot of help. Can I get an amen? amen? It almost brings me to tears how people surround me with their prayers and with their physical help and all my walks of life. Sometimes I think I have it down pretty good, and I do, but other times... I must confess, I need help. So you can expect me through this message to insert it with certain insights that I have accumulated throughout this week. So I might as well just start. You're going to find the very first slide says, today's message is divided into two parts. A story called Salvation, I could say Salvational, and Paul's instruction to Titus on or in the qualifications of an elder. If you don't know what an elder is, just, I shouldn't say just, because nothing in this Bible is just, just. Can I get a witness? I'm going to apply that to you and me when I say... Well, I didn't describe what an elder was yet. It's a preacher, the instructor, the messenger. And I'm going to start out right away. I'm not saying you're a preacher, but you, if you are a Christian, you indeed are a messenger. God has called you into service, not to be silent about your relationship 
I'm trying to slow down here, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You've got the greatest message in the entire universe. And it's about that person who calls himself the Messiah, the Christos, which is another way of saying the Christ. Now, before I get off track, and I said, I know I am because I just feel that way. And when I say I feel that way, I feel excited about what God has shown me throughout the week. And I said to myself, oh, I just have to put the, the people just have to know. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, you have to tell the story. You cannot just let it in. You have to tell somebody. When Paul sailed past Crete, or Crete, as some say, on his way to Rome, he was not the master of his own ship. He was Paul's, I'm sorry, he was Rome's prisoner. That's right, he was a prisoner. When I say he was a Roman prisoner, or Rome's prisoner, he was being put into prison because his testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he, I'm slowing myself down. I've been told to slow down several times. Can I get a witness? But I want to say something. Sometimes I can't slow down. And neither should you when you talk about the God-man. Now, this is not in the script, so I just might as well tell you. When you met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, it completely changed his outlook about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm going to inscribe this also in this message. When you met Jesus Christ, did it change your life? Did it change your outlook? Can I get a witness? Maybe quickly, like Paul, or maybe slowly, as he began to fill your heart and your soul with his presence. I said I was going to get off track, so I might as well start. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ in your head, just in your head, but Christ in you, living his life within your very soul and spirit. How wise was the Roman guard? How wise, excuse me, how wise was the Roman guard? I know I'm interpreting. Would have been had he followed Paul's urging to put ashore at Crete or Crete. Despite the winds, they sailed on under much 
duress. As Paul had predicted, he warned the, the guard. The ship was lost at Malta. I was going to put this up on the screen, but it became too much for me. The island 58 miles south of Sicily. Number two. Paul's ship sank to the bottom of the sea. Crete had sunk to the depths of sin. Let me ask you today. Are you broken finally from sin? Have you come to the depths of yourself and needed and realized you needed a savior? I'm going to say that again. It said it in here. I can say it. Paul's ship sank to the bottom of the sea. Crete had sunk to the depths of sin. Depths to depths of sin. Has God got you in a position? You say, okay, Lord, I am broken. I'm going to listen. Can I get a witness? Or is he still working on you to get you to see? You're living in sin, whether you're a Christian or you're lost. That's right. Christians can live in sin. And you better believe God will chastise them. Broken to pieces morally by the incessant, that, that means over and over again, pounding of a godless life. Crete needed the good news of the gospel. Unlike the sunken ship, however, Crete was not beyond redemption. Let me say this before I go on. If you're living in the depths of sin, if you're lost, you are not beyond God helping you. Matter of fact, his son said this, I came to seek the lost. And Tom is going to know what I'm going to say next. He, the Bible says he came to seek to the uttermost. And may I add, without adding to the scriptures, he came to seek the guttermost. Are you down in the gutter? If you are, he, keep, he came to seek and to save you. Number three. On Paul's heart, you can see I have the question mark. That's intentional. On Paul's heart. <clears throat> Whether Crete was on Paul's heart before his two years house arrest in Rome is unknown. What is known, however, is that once Paul was free from Rome's chains, that's where he was chained. Maybe you'll never be chained, but I know some people right in here have been cursed out because they spoke out for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can I get a witness? You might not have chains on, but you don't, people don't want you talking about Jesus, and they'll curse you out in a minute. Can I get a minute? Amen. That's right. Can I get a minute? I just hallelujah for being persecuted for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As Paul wrote Titus, it was about A.D. That means, I'm just going to put it this way, after Christ. 
62. He didn't know he wouldn't return to Rome. <clears throat> he didn't know he would return to Rome for one final imprisonment. What does that mean? That means he was either decapitated or some other method when he took his life. He didn't know that. He didn't know that. But I'll tell you what. He was ready to suffer and die for him who is. And I'm, I'm going to make a short list. The Alpha and the Omega. That's who he died for. That's number three. The world, by its lifestyle, denies God. I'm, I'm, I know I'm interpolating, but this is right in line with what the Word of God says. What about you? The world, by its lifestyle, are you denying, if you're a Christian, yes, I'm talking to you and me. Are we denying God by our speech, by our walk, by our lifestyle? by what we look on at TV. What about you and me? Do you deny ungodliness and worldly desires, or do you indulge in the desires of your flesh? What do your deeds say about your beliefs? In other words, and I'm not trying to be smart or sarcastic, are we walking the walk and talking the talk? It is difficult always to be considerate to everyone, isn't it? When did you last fail in this area? Have you determined a press to be gentle and less argumentative, even in the most, with the most difficult situation, with the most difficult people? Your salvation, I like to talk about this part, and I know I'm going to repeat it again. Your salvation was not based on performance, but upon the mercy and grace of God. Can I get a witness? I am, maybe I shouldn't say it this way, but I, I'm just going to say it. I am so upset with preachers telling you that you have to earn your way into God's grace. You can't earn your way into God's grace. It's by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God. You can't enter a gift. I'm just going to put this out there. Don't you believe any preacher, I don't care if it's Brother Bruce or whoever it is, don't you believe any preacher who says you've got to work for your salvation. Don't get insulted when I say this. A dead man can't be saved, dead in trespasses and said. What do I mean is, a dead man can't perform good works. Can I get a witness? What has your heavenly father saved you from? He saved you from something and more than so. He, first of all, I could, I'm not in order, he saved you from yourself. He saved you from going to hell. He saved you from bearing the punishment of your sins forever. Oh, Brother Bruce, there is no hell. I said it wrong. There is no hell. Ten seconds after you leave this world, 
you'll know there's a place called hell. But on the other hand, if you're a Christian, yes, you've heard me say it before, to be absent from this body is to be present with Jesus Christ. Think of the goodness that brought you from death into life and brought you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious son. Who's this glorious son? Who's the his? God the Father is, is the his, and his son is the hat. Is, ah, forgive me, bad everybody. Think of the goodness that brought you from death into life. Well, I'm not dead. You're spiritually dead if you're not saved. And brought you out of the kingdom of darkness. That's Satan's kingdom. Into the kingdom of his glorious son. Have you thanked him lately for his mercy and grace? Don't get upset with me. But if you do, if you do, that's too bad. Christian, Brother Bruce, Brother anybody, have you thanked God lately for saving your soul? And this forever. I find myself thanking the Lord more and more as I make it a habit. You can make it a habit of thanking the Lord Jesus Christ for saving your soul. Why not do it now? Thank you, someone. Thank you, someone. Can I get a witness? He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy for you to say thank you. He's worthy of you for just stepping off the platform. He's worthy for you walking up the steps. He's worthy for you taking another breath. For in him we live and we have our very being. Your very existence depends on the Son of God and the Holy Spirit and God the Father. Pray for those close to you who have... Let me start over. Praise for those close to you who have yet to experience the saving grace of God. Everyone, would you please say, but God. Here's that number six that I was talking about. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, preach it over there. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. 
It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I just want to comment on a few things on this verse. For we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. Do you know that word? I know I said it before, and some of you have heard it before. That word workmanship, somebody said it, comes from the, uh, uh, the Greek word poetry. God wants to make each of us poets for him, beautiful specimens of his wonderful grace. And did you notice the last part, which God prepared? God has a design for you and me. He's got something especially picked out for you and me. And look at the next part, that we should walk in them. This is not an all and all thing. This is a daily thing. And for you who have heard it, I beg your pardon, for by grace are you saved. It's in the perfect tense. Now, I'm going to ask you a simple question because then you can remember it. The perfect tense represents something that happened, was completed in the past and has effects in the future. And some even add the pluperfect tense. But I'll just say perfect. Now, I want you to raise your hand if you have done this. Have you ever learned to ride a bicycle? Say yes. Do you still know how to ride a bicycle? Yes. That's the perfect tense. You've been saved by God's grace, and you're kept by God's grace. You're not kept by your good works. If you were, you would fail. I know I fail the Lord every day. That's the first part. Now let me recapitulate just to hone in on this. There are some people in here, and I don't know who you are, so I'm not pointing you out, and I wouldn't dare do that. You're not saved yet. You don't know the Lord. You don't know his presence. You don't talk to him. You don't seek his help. You don't feel his comforting peace that passes all understanding when difficult things come you don't have to say, oh, what am I going to do next? There, there, there's, there's that peace that comes over you. It says, maybe it doesn't say peace still, but you feel a settling peace that everything is going to be according to what God wants. Can I get a witness? And you get strength. I didn't intend to say this, but I handed out the track the other day, and the person's not here, and it doesn't matter if they are, because they enjoy it. I handed out a track that said, Big Bob. I thought it said Big Boss. It said Big Bob. He said, hey, this track is just for me. Do you think I didn't shout hallelujah? You do things intensely for the Lord. He'll give you a surprise. Not all the time. And then you can sit back. Lord, please help that person. Now, the last part of the sermon, and you can apply this to yourself also, although it really applies to elders. What are elders? 
preachers, leaders in the church. Paul's instructions to Titus concerning the appointment and qualification, plural, of elders. For this reason, I left you in Crete that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man be above reproach, the husband of one wife, very interesting, have children who believe, not accused of dissipation, that means drunkenness or rebellion, for the overseer, I hope you got that, the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not, that word pugnacious means talkative. You've got to have it your way, hit the highway. Fond of sordid gain. I, I can tell you one thing about this church. This church is definitely not in it for any money. Can I get a witness? You know how I know? Before anything else gets paid in this church, electricity or anyone, bills got to be paid. And hardly sometimes we have money to pay the bill. But just like Pastor Jack said yesterday, by the grace of God, the bills get paid every month. Can I get a witness? And I want to tell you, personally speaking, I'm not in this for any money. I'm in this because the Lord put me here. And to, and to just punctuate that, let me say it correctly. I'm in it for the Lord. Pastor Jack and others do a lot of sacrificing to make this church be what God wants it to be. Can I, can I get a witness? I'm not going to go any further with that. But hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is, which is accordance with the teaching, Say teaching. I'm not incriminating anybody. I'm just going to come out and say it. Are you able, at least in the fundamentals, and show that the Holy Spirit is a person? Can I get a witness? Can you get some verses together and say that Christ lives in you? He's the hope of glory. Can you show that God is a triune being, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Can I get a witness? I'm going to just give you one, and I'm going to go on one. Let us make man in our image. Did you notice it said, let us make man in our image? There's only one image between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whereas you were made in the image of God, let me add on to it, Christ. 
is the image of God. Here's what he said, and I'll I'll stop there. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm going to tell you right now, it was the great I am that died on the cross for you. And he said, it is finished. It's over. You can't add one work to the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is finished. It's tetelestai. It was the great I am that died for your sins. That's the only way it could be complete. you got a testimony. Maybe you don't know the scriptures that well yet. Get to know them. And tell them about, hey, did you see what Jesus did for me? Do you know what Jesus did? How do you, why do you work, why do you insist on talking about Jesus? How do you work like that? How do you work when somebody cussing you out, you sit back and say, God help them. Well, I lost my place now. Holding fast the faithful word. Say faithful word. This book, I can't get it up of my hand. It's faithful. For there are, there are many rebellious men, empty talkers. Say empty talkers. You probably won't agree with this because you're liberal. Well, I believe there's many ways to God. Mormons, they're okay. Jehovah's Witness, they're okay. Latter-day Saints, which is the same thing as Mormons, they're okay. Hinduism, they're a way to God. They're all, they're all, they all lead. You're an empty talker. All you got to do is experience the love of Jesus Christ in your heart and you'll know there's only one way. Deceivers and those of the circumcision. They insisted that you had to be circumcised before you could stay saved or be saved. Many commentators call them Judaizers could be true for you too and me. Number 10, first reflection on verse 5. For this reason I left you in credit that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I direct you. So in case you, Pastor Applebuck and I, I have been told that we did explain things. I'm doing my best to explain what is happening in these verses. Paul was instructing Titus, okay, I left some things behind, and you're here, and I'm going to appoint you to set in order how an elder should be. That's what he was doing. A church is defective unless it has constituted leaders. In Crete, or Crete, they were appointed or ordained by Titus. I'm never going to get through with this, and I'm not even going to try. 
For this reason, number 11, I left you in Crete that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders. Set in order. Say set in order. I'm going to get off track in just a minute or so. Is your house in order? You got all kinds of filthy magazines laying around. You got all kinds of rough, I'll just call it rough music. Ladies, gentlemen, we need to get ourselves in order. Can I get a witness? You cannot lot, let your kids watch anything and say anything and talk anyway in front of kids. You got to set yourself in order and set those kids in order before the world gets a hold of them. Don't set them in order for you. I'll just be frank, and you'll be sorry. Setting in order also goes for Brother Bruce and whoever. Set in order. Complete arrangements with Paul had begun for the establishment of churches and the promotion of religions throughout the island. That's right, Crete was an island. Over every congregation, there should be a settled pastor to preach the gospel and minister the ordinances of the New Testament, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and set before the people an example of habitual and consistent, say consistent. That means on and on piety, godliness. I guess some of you are going to get upset with me. You know what? Somebody told me, Brother Bruce, don't you get upset if people get upset with you. Too bad. I'm not going to apologize for preaching the word of God. Some of you are not going to agree with me, but I don't care. (laughs) Baptism can't save you. Praise God, I didn't take that step overboard. (laughs) Baptism can't save you. It's a confirmation that you've been buried with Christ and risen with him. That precludes that you're saved. Buried with Christ, risen with Christ. You partake in his resurrection. You partake in his death, life, burial. Number 12. More generally, for this cause left I, Paul, I, Paul, you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are wanting, that this was the business of the evangelist. Yes, Paul called himself an evangelist. I, I, I can't help but to say this. I met at least one or two people this morning and said they were out on the streets of Pottstown and witnessing to people. They are evangelists. Can I get a witness? This was the business of the evangelists in which office the Titus was to water where the apostles had planted, furthering and furnishing what they had begun so much to order after another. Titus was to go on in settling what the apostle, that is Paul, himself had not time for. Suppose you don't have time for it. 
Suppose you did the best, and the Lord said, you've got to move on. Let this up to the person back there. They can, they can handle it. I like this verse. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I want you to complete the last part. I planted, that's Paul, Apollos watered. What did he do? He came back and watered what, uh, what Paul planted. And everybody read the last part. But God was causing the growth. You can plant, another could water, but after it's all done, God is the one who gives the increase. But notice you and I do have a responsibility. Number 13, if I can get my hands to it. This thing has 38 pages. There's no way I'm going to try to get done. I planted Apollo's water, but God, in the King James says, gives the increase. I wonder how many times God has given you and me opportunities to plant or water some gospel seeds. I'm not going to say nothing about that. I'm just going to repeat it again. I wonder how many times God has given you and me opportunities to plant or water some gospel seeds. Observe. The apostle's great diligence in the gospel, when he had set things on foot in one place, he hastened away to another. He was a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians and labored to spread the gospel as far as he could among them. His faithfulness and prudence he neglected not the places that he went from. Wherever he went, he was spreading the gospel. But left some to cultivate the young plantation and carry on what was begun. His humility, 15, his humility. He disdained not to be helped in his work. That's what I was just talking about in the beginning of the sermon. There's no doubt about it that Brother Bruce Carter and other, and other of us, we need help. How about sitting down and praying with someone sometime? How about thanking the Lord as we've already mentioned sometime? And that by such as were not so high a rank ministry nor of so great gifts and furniture as himself. Paul admitted, Paul admitted, he needed help. This is the great apostle whom God called. Paul said, I need help. If you look throughout the scriptures, you'll see where at different times he said, pray for me on my journey to Thessalonica. He knew he needed help. A fit example for exciting zeal and in industry. Say exciting zeal. Exciting. You probably, maybe you don't know what it means. Exciting zeal. Can you say it? exciting zeal? You know what that means? It means he's filled up. He wanted to share the gospel. I'm not saying you got to share it all the time. But when he got filled up, he couldn't help himself. Matter of fact, the Lord... I better not quote this, but I know it's there. He said, the zeal of the Lord has eaten me up. 
Let's go to 16. Namely, if any man be above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe not accused of dissipation. Find out what dissipation is in or rebellion. Number 17. Now, I'm going to leave this totally up to you as what God reveals to you. Whenever mentioned in the New Testament, elders are seen as being married, as having children. This phrase may, may mean having one wife at a time, or it may mean being married only once. See 1 Timothy 5, 9, and we're going to quote it below, where the similar phrase could only mean being married only once. Here's that verse. Let a widow be put on the list only if she does not less... Let a widow be put on the list. That's right, they were helping people. They were helping. Only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. Let a widow, I made it larger, be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man. Number 19, a wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? Do you understand that? Say yes. I know you do. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, Keep house and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. Change it to husbands. Um, I'll, I'll use I'll use uh, Joe. That's a common name. Uh, yeah, Brother Joe's up in the. He's 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 preaching the gospel now. Should he be up there? I, I remember him when he was out in the world. So what? He's been renewed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you want to put it that way, you and I were dead trespasses and sins. Who, we, who, who, put it this way, who am I to talk about a brother? I'm going to talk about probably worse than he was. From the earliest times of church history, this qualification, husband and one wife, has been interpreted differently. Some have held, here's where you come, that the bishop or elder must have a wife. He must be married to a minister. He must be married to be a minister. That the bishop or elder never have more than one wife. He must never marry again. That's the position they took, even if his wife died. That's kind of hard. This position holds the... Second marriages are completely forbidden. Here's two more. That the bishop or elder must not have more than one wife at a time. Remember that polygamy, if you know what polygamy is, more than one wife, was the common practice of society when the church was born. That a bishop must live a life of strict morality. He must be a loyal husband preserving marriage in all impurity. 
22. Yes, I consulted the sources as usual. I don't know why I didn't put this in bold. I'll just say it. It's in red up there. This is from one of the greatest scholars in the world. But I'm going to say something. The greatest scholar in the world doesn't mean a thing if it's not according to the word. I don't care if you go to seminary. I don't care if you go to Timbuktu. I don't care where you go. If it's not to the word of God and you can't interpret interpret it by the spirit of God, be careful. William Barclay. In its context here, we can quite certain that this means that the Christian leader must be a loyal husband, preserving marriage in all its purity. 23. Every minister, believer, and church must go before the Lord and seek the meaning of his qualifications for him or herself. What did, I, what did I ask you to do? I want you to seek the Lord in this matter. Matter of fact, this is just a little off key. You ought to seek, you ought to seek the Lord in every matter. But we must be honest and open to hear the Lord and then beg of him the courage and discipleship or discipline to do what he says. This is an absolute essential for all who are believers. For nothing is more traumatic, shocking, than the loss of a spouse through death or separation and divorce. And if there is ever a time that we must reach out and minister to our brothers and sisters, it is when they lose their spouses. Can I get an amen? Amen. I wonder how many cruel Christians, when their husband or wife die, well, I'm not going to go see them. They deserve that. They earned that. I'm going to put it personally. You better be careful in pronouncing something against one of God's people. I guess my wife will hit hit me in the head when I come in the door. I'm only saying that. To ease up the tension in here. The point is this. Should a minister or bishop be allowed to serve as a minister if he has had more than one wife, either through or divorce? If we consider the general laxity, laziness in regard to marriage and the facility of divorce, in other words, you get a divorce so easy, don't... So what? Which prevailed among the Jews and Romans at this time. It must have been a common thing for a man to have more than one woman living who had been his wife. And this was a distinct breach of the original law, Genesis 2.24. Husband and wife shall be one. And would be in case, in the case, be a bar to any 
one being called to the office of a bishop. You might not know, but I'm not going to, that's probably the only thing I'm not going to try to explain too much. It is utterly unsupported by any single passage in scripture that a second verse should disqualify man for the sacred ministry. As regards the opinion of the early church, it was not at all uniform. What's that mean? They didn't all agree. And among those who held this passage absolutely prohibits second marriages in the case of a bishop. It was merely a part of the asceticism. What's asceticism means? It means deny yourself this, deny yourself that, don't eat that, don't eat, well, no. Yes, I'm going to stay within the framework of that. What's the name? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two but one flesh. Whatever therefore has joined together, let no man put asunder. I know it says a separate, but I use the word asunder. An overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to say what temperate is. Temperate means self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Prudent means able to look at the scriptures and say, no, I am not to do this or that. I'm going to go to 28. Having faithful children, that is children that believe. One of the hardest things for ministers to do is get their children to see Jesus. Can I get a witness? Not accused of riot. What's that mean? Parties and everything, and wild parties and so on. Immoral course of life and a slave to vice. Can't stop drinking. Children, young adults. I'm going to add this in there. That might have been true for you and me. Can I get a witness? You're not, what, I'm going to tell you once again, and I'm not trying to be smart. We're not fooling anybody. The world sees you. It sees the way you talk, and it sees the way you walk. Unruly. Ungovernable child in his family would indicate the inefficiency to govern the church. Hold on back there, because I want I want to end up. I'm on thirty. Self will, and this goes for you and me too, as well as to an overseer. Having a will of his own. This is for you and me, as I said. I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of what 
the Word of God says, as an overseer. I'm going to tell you right now, Brother Bruce, if that's the way you feel, you better get out of the ministry before God puts you out. You're not going to tell the Lord what you're going to do. He's going to tell you what he's going to do. My way, you can see it at the bottom, or hit the highway. You'll hit the highway, God's way. He got a way to get you out. You're not so, you're not so important that you can't be replaced. I'm not going to go on with that. Go to page 32. Oh, you got it already. Number four, not addicted to wine. How about a Christian? I don't, I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, if you think I'm talking about you, I'm not. I'm talking about me, anybody else who proclaims to be a Christian. I, are, are you addicted? That's my question to you. I just got to have a drink. You're addicted. Pugnacious, number five. They call it a striker. What's that mean? Hey, brother. Instead of you taking that brother back and talking to him about well, what he's talking about, what he says is probably not true. You're going to confront him in front. You're going to try to embarrass him. How sad. Let me end up with my favorite verse. I love this verse. Not by works, which you have done, but according to his mercy. If God wouldn't have had mercy, on you and me. I'm not going to confine you in anybody. I'm just going to say, where would you be? Let's give the Lord a hand. I'm done.